Hi, and welcome to the Hand in Hand show where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. If you are a survivor, a caregiver, a researcher, a support group leader, or a local business helping the stroke and brain injury community, Stroke Focus is offering a number of exciting programs. Get details at the end of this podcast. Today, I'm with Lucy Ligari, and she is writing a book. She suffered a stroke at the age of 27. She was given one of those, you're not going to amount to anything, nothing's going to happen, you're not going to get anywhere. And whoa, doctors were wrong. (laughs) She is ballroom dancing. Uh, She can see again, because I told her she was going to be blind. So anyway, I want to go ahead and let her come in and tell her story. So hello, Lucy. Hi, Cam. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you. Look at what you've done. So give us a little bit about your story. Well, I was 27, and I was actually on the road back to school. So I had left school at 15. Ten years later, I decided to go back to school, college in Canada. And between college and university, uh, I was scuba diving with uh, the college uh, team. It was our last dive and uh, the last dive of the year. And uh, it happened in the water. So I was uh, with uh, two companions in the water. And at some point, I started to feel very cold, like not cold superficially, but really cold in my bones, kind of. And uh, I couldn't see anything. So I was making signs to my companion to tell them that, you know, something was wrong, I needed to go back up. And uh, I couldn't see what they were telling me. So at some point, they realized that, okay, you know, let's do this. And they brought me back up. And... um, they actually sat me on a rock by the beach, and I was always falling down on my left side. So they would pick me up and put me back on the rock, and I would fall again, and they would freak out, and I was laughing. It was like if my body had sent me sort of a drug, <laughs> and uh, I was laughing, and the more they, they got really nervous, the more I was laughing. You know, at some point, the, the doctor of the team came over and he realized what happened. So we went to the emergency right away and uh, spent six months in the hospital full time. And like you said, the doctors uh, told me I wouldn't walk or see again. And uh, at some point, I decided otherwise. So There are those of us that are like that that aren't going to take what the doctors have told us and uh, continue trying to move forward. And so I love that about this story. That's the part that just is really fascinating to me, that, that you were blind and now you can see. Not only can you see, but you're a Latin and ballroom dancer. You went on to earn your MBA. Yeah, actually, like I, like I was telling you, I spent six months in the hospital. And on the seventh month, I kept going to university. I went to university and did my uh, bachelor's degree and my master's degree. In all of this, you were a whole time in a wheelchair also. Yeah. For about six months, you were in the hospital. Yeah. After that, you're going back to school. You decided you weren't going to listen to those doctors and something was going to happen. What did you do? Some people will say, did you drink the, the magic water from the fountain of youth? 
Well, the first thing, the healing didn't start after the six months. It started right into the hospital, like actually my, my working on the healing. Well, I'm fortunate enough to being born in a family where uh, positive thinking and positive affirmation and meditation is a part of what we do in our home. Those things I had learned before this joke and had used all my life. I really focused on going inside with meditation and asking my body what I needed to do. It was belief in those years that the cells in the brain were the only cells that did not regenerate. I thought, okay, well, if they're gonna, not going to do it, I'm going to do it. So my visualization at that point was cells, healthy cells from my body would move to my brain to replace the dead cells in my brain and take their new functions. So every day I would meditate, see those cells going up and taking their new position in my brain. That was one of the visualizations. Another one was, for example, uh, moving my right toes and saying to my left toes, okay, do the same. And I would, I would feel it, I would see it, even though I could see my toes, I would see them moving in my mind and in my heart. And I believe that they were moving so much so that two months later, it took me two months, but two months later, my big toe wiggled a little bit. And it was a big party in the room. <laughs> so uh, it just, it started very slowly uh, with working regularly every day and and especially what the best, the, the most important thing with visualization and meditation is thinking, seeing, speaking, feeling, believing, like everything has to be into the same target. My target was seeing again, walking again, and moving those cells and seeing my toes moving. Well, I totally believe in meditation. It's a very calming thing. And if you can take it that step further, this is huge for people to hear that with meditation and maybe some other small changes, this works, that you don't have to always listen to exactly the negativity that these doctors sometimes tell us. For many of them, it's not a lack of wanting, it's a lack of knowledge. It's not knowing. About how long was it before you started ballroom dancing and Latin dancing? So dancing has, has always been something very important to me. When I was a little girl, I used to just dance to express any kind of feeling, like sadness, happiness, uh, anger, any type of feeling that I would have, I would express through dance. But at some point, going to school to work at my mom's farm, I had to give it up because there was so much work. So I stopped dancing, and I hadn't danced since then. Um, I started dancing again about 16 years after the stroke. It was in 2009. I did a competition, a dance competition in 2009. It was just a funny thing. I was looking at the, I was watching a movie and uh, like, shall we, shall we dance? And I thought, oh my God, I got to go back to dancing. And so I got a school in Ottawa and uh, started dancing again. And every time I was dancing, it was really funny because I used to tell my teachers all the time, like, 
do you realize I'm dancing right now? Like they told me I wouldn't walk and I wouldn't see and now I'm dancing. And I was really grateful for that. And uh, at some point my teacher said, well, how about if we get you into a competition in Niagara Hall in the next few months? And I'm just like, what? <laughs> I can't do that. Like it's, it's crazy. I'm not ready for that. And he said, well, a few months from now you'll be. And uh, I did it, and I played really well, and it was awesome. It was a great feeling. And, and like I said, dancing has always been something very dear to me. So that's why, like, my speech out of the wheelchair onto the dance floor was just, like, going from, from the stroke, from paralysis and blindness, sort of putting that aside, putting the challenges aside to achieve one of my goals, which was... You know dancing and so it's just I when I do that speech um, I refer to it with people as saying well what's your wheelchair just get out of it you know if it it could be a real wheelchair but it can be any challenge in your life just get out of it and your dance floor well what's your dream what do you want to achieve well let's get there let's do it together there's so many people around us telling us, oh, it's impossible to do. Like Roger Bannister wanted to run the four-minute mile. Everybody was telling him, oh, no, it's going to be, it's impossible. No human is, is able to do that. But he did it, you know, like uh, Everest and, and so many things. Like uh, Napoleon Hill helped his son that was born with no ear out to here. That's pretty awesome. He was told it was impossible, but he still did it. So there's so many things we can do. It starts in the inside. And that's what I wanted to, to say earlier too was that the healing, when, uh, when the glasses story happened, that was really the time where I decided I chose to heal. At that point, since from the inside, I wanted to heal. That's what people need to understand that you know, they can take all the medication they want, they can, get, they can get operations, they can get all kinds of stuff. But if they're not healing from the inside, the recovery is not going to be 100%. It can be. We are the start of it all. Your whole outlook is wonderful. As you said, visualize yourself not in the wheelchair or walking straight or whatever your goal is. Mm -hmm. um, you and achieve that. It may not be in a week. It may not be six months. It could be five years. But you just have to keep that momentum going and, yeah. and keep doing it. I want to talk about you're working on a book, correct? Yes. yes. Is the book going to have the same name, Out of the Wheelchair and Onto the Dance Floor? No. The book title is Master Your Personal Everest. How to empower yourself by using the change model, the change pyramid model. This is your business, the change pyramid solutions, correct? Yes. Tell us about it. We were talking about dancing earlier. That title is coming from the dance competition because I met somebody during that period that was doing uh, the seven summits of the world. And he was doing Everest as the last mountain. So he, did, he had done Kilimanjaro and, and a few others. And his goal was Everest. So between dances, we were talking about 
each other, you know, just trying to get to know each other. And uh, at some point, he tells me that, that he's doing the seventh summit. And I'm just like, oh, wow, that's awesome. And how great. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's amazing. And uh, after the competition, we go back to, we go back to our rooms. And I'm thinking, uh, we get up, usually get up at four o'clock in the morning. And um, I'm thinking, well, what am I doing right now? I'm doing a dance competition when doctors told me I wouldn't walk or see again. That is my personal Everest. So I, too, that weekend was mastering my personal Everest. So the next day when we met again, I said, well, you know what? And so I started to, to explain to him what I had thought about. And he said, you know what? You're right. We all have our personal Everest to to climb, to master, to it's our challenges. And, and you know, there's no no Everest that is higher than another one. It just depends on where we are in our life and what we need to do and, and where we want to go. So that's why my, my book is entitled Master Your Personal Everest. I like that. I never would have taken it to that point in thinking about it, but now that you've explained this, that's even more awesome about your business. Yeah, so uh, 2017 has been a great year for me. I've been speaking at a few big events, like I had one, uh, the International Conference on Humanizing Healthcare, where I was talking to uh, doctors, nurses, and different therapists on how important the patients are into their own well-being, into their own healing. And I explained to them the uh, the tools that are in my change pyramid model so that they can understand a little bit better where I'm coming from and, and what it did for me. So like I was explaining the tools and at the same time, you know, giving them the example of my story to tell them how it works, how it works, how it works for me and how it can work for their patients. So that was awesome. And I also did a talk in Los Angeles in November. There was uh, 2,500 people there. That was really, really awesome. So uh, that, that place again, I was uh, talking about, you know, my experience. And I think I sent you the, um, the video of that speech actually. So it's on the, um, it's on the uh, stroke focus website. Uh, right now so you can go and listen to it it was great it's very exciting and this year also there uh, i have two audiences there are people like patients it could be from a stroke but it can be from anything because the the tools are really uh, helpful for any kind of, of disease or, or dysfunction or actually even to get to a goal or a life goal or something like that. So it's, it's very universal tools to, that are able to do many things. So I am talking to the, to the individuals, but my main uh, clients are really the healthcare professionals. And my goal is to help them in their own life, in their own practice, because they usually have pretty hectic life uh, and they, they have to deal with a lot of stress and, and all of that. So I'm, I'm helping them to better their life and at the same time by showing them how to, to use the tools, 
they can in return go to their patients and help their patients and help them, you know, discover those tools and make sure that they use them to um, to heal and feel better and, and all of that. So I have a, a few uh, training sessions this summer uh, in May and June with the healthcare professionals. Yeah, they are uh, two and a half day trainings where uh, it's pretty intense. Uh, we see all the 12 tools and we, uh, I explain them, I give them examples, uh, I show them how to use them and how to teach them so that they can, you know, have all the, uh, the information they need to go back to their patients and um, help themselves and help, help others at the same time. So if anybody has any questions about this, can they go to your website? Absolutely. And that's changepyramidsolutions.com. Yes. Exactly. What's your biggest message to our community and audience? My biggest message is that healing starts from the inside. Healing starts with us as individuals. Um, we have to start the healing. We have to believe in our healing that's there and alive in our hearts, in our minds, in the way we live our lives. Changes need to be from the inside out. We can teach, we can instruct ourselves to do what we want by using the tools and in the model, but but there are other tools too, like I have on my website, you'll see that I have the change pyramid model, but I also have a section on complementary tools. Those are tools that I discovered uh, after the stroke, which I wish I had discovered before. It would have been easier to, um, to recover, but uh, sound therapy and Reiki and Bexlauer remedies, are they're all great tools to help us to uh, have better lives and, and feel better about ourselves and, uh, and keep growing. So I encourage you to go on my website and uh, register on my newsletter. I also do speeches in, in businesses, like uh, businesses will invite me to come over and I can address the employees and, uh, or sometimes it's um, a management retreat. That uh, that's possible to do. So there is many, there is many uh, ways of working together. The best the best thing to do is communicate with me, and we can see what the need and uh, where we how we can work together. And um, I'm flexible, and uh, it's it's all about you know making sure that people are part of their healing and well being. The question just came up. So. Using your method, do you have to be like six months out, three months out? Is there a time that this may not work? I would say no. Okay. There is no time limits because it's within us. Like as soon as as soon as you as you find that I'm going to say power. I don't want to scare anybody. <laughs> but as soon as you find that inner power that's guiding you, that's, it's within each of us, and we all have the same power. You know, it's just like each stroke is different. I'm going to use this. Each stroke is different. So 
so is your recovery even doing this. So some people might recover in a couple of months. Some people, it might take a few years. It just depends on how you work it, how you believe in it. So is there anything that you'd like to say before we leave today? When I was in my hospital bed, I really, one of the questions that was very important to me, and I wasn't asking that question in a, in a self-pity type of way. It was just like, why is this happening? What do I need to learn? And what do I need to do with that learning? And at that point, the only, like I was asking that question to myself and to everybody else around me. And the only answer I remember was my godmother telling me, Lucy, your nose is too close to the tree to see the forest. You got to leave your sign, give yourself some time and you will know what to do when it's time to do it. And now here I am 24 years later, (laughs) uh, just wanting to help as many people as I can. And, uh, you know, millions is better. Uh, so it's, it's uh, with all my heart, with all my soul. Uh, I know it's my purpose in life. Learning and teaching is my purpose. And I want to help as many people as I can. So, Lucy, good luck with your book. Good luck with your business. Everybody, I hope that you have enjoyed our interview today with Lucy. If you have any questions, just remember you can go to her website, ask her some more questions, or or get more information. Thank you for being a part of the Hand in Hand show, a part of Stroke Focus. This is an announcement of Stroke Focus. Stroke Focus has opened up its blog section to all its members. It is a professional platform, completely free and very easy to use. It provides instant visibility to know how many views your blog is receiving. At the same time, we are helping members put stories on our podcast. You can get a professional quality radio broadcast to share on Facebook, Twitter, or post on your site. For all our members with aphasia, our audio editors will help make your interview smooth. You do not need any professional equipment. No interview will be published before you review and approve it. There is no charge. Join us at https colon backslash backslash www.strokefocus.net or write to us at contact at strokefocus.net. Join the growing list of people sharing stories. What you share will make a difference.